I, I try to record the audio as well so I can post that just in case someone can't be here. Or if I want to go back and listen to whatever it was I said or to make sure quality checks, you know, I'm still learning. Anyhow, um, again, thank you for coming out this morning. It is Advent, which means that our church attendance historically will be up a little bit as is every other church in the United States. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. However, I would encourage you to keep coming anyway. It's a good time. I think it's, it's not just a good time. If you were looking to have a good time, you'd probably have joined a social club. But it's a fulfilling and rewarding time to come to church together and to worship God together, to make much about Jesus. So in the spirit of making much about Jesus, um, for Advent, I wanted to look at the typical Advent things. And you've heard all of them before many times. But something that I always think about when I read through the birth of Christ is we talk a lot about the miracle of the virgin birth. It is a miracle. And it should be celebrated. And we talk about the character of Mary which is pretty outstanding and should also be celebrated. And then there's this guy that kind of gets overlooked a little bit, who's Joseph, because to be honest, he had very little to do with the coming of Jesus other than he was very obedient. And I don't want to over-elevate Joseph, but I feel like he is a great example of obedience. And that's why I want to look at Joseph today, not because I want to elevate, and I know uh, church history, St. Joseph, I don't want to elevate St. Joseph. I want to talk about this incredibly obedient, godly man, because I find his example to be incredibly inspiring. And I do have some friends who are um, stepfathers that do an incredible job. They raise children and they love them as if they're their own, and I'm surprised to find out that they're not their biological fathers sometimes because they're so good at it. And I also know adoptive fathers that are very much the same way. And I know mothers that are that way as well. It's like, oh, you okay, so you're really the stepmom? Like, you, you wouldn't know it. And I feel like they have an automatic connection to people in the Bible like Joseph. Because I often will say that Joseph was Jesus' stepfather. And I know that isn't exactly the situation, because the whole world would have seen him as Joseph's son. Anyhow, when we get um, at the beginning of the section that uh, Chad just read, <coughs> we see that Joseph and Mary are betrothed to be married. And I know that you've probably heard this, but when people were engaged, in order to break off an engagement, you actually had to get a divorce. They weren't quite married, but they were betrothed. And I think the first, the first real hint we get about what kind of man Joseph is, is when he finds out that his betrothed wife, his fiance is with child, he decides not to do what would be his legal right to do, which is to make a big stink and cause her punishment and things. He wants to 
put her away and divorce her quietly because he is, he doesn't want any harm to come to her. And we see that he's actually a rather compassionate man, or at least I see that he's a rather compassionate man. Now, I don't know how many of you have been in messy relationships, but I know it's more than one. If you found out or you were under the, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're under the impression that your significant other has been unfaithful in a relationship, it says a lot about your character that you're not trying to embarrass them. Of course, we do know that that was not the situation. That would have been the perceived situation. I don't know how Joseph could have thought anything else. I don't know how anyone around would have thought anything else because Jesus was born of a virgin. Who else? This is not the standard. This is not the norm, right? But we, we get a little clue into his character because he wants to divorce her quietly so that she isn't embarrassed or comes to any harm. And then we have an angel coming to Joseph in a dream. So Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Sorry, my pages are stuck together. because he will save the people from their sins. That is quite a charge. You are going to take this woman as your wife, and you are going to raise the Savior of the world. There's a lot of weight to fatherhood. Anyone that's a father here remembers what it's like when your child's born, I assume. It's a game changer. Chad will tell you it's a game changer. We've talked about it. It was a game changer for me. That's when I realized life wasn't actually a game. (laughs) I don't know. Well, most of the people in my sphere of existence, the first time they ever held their child, they knew life had changed. There's such a weight to fatherhood. Just knowing that I was going to have a little girl. And that I was going to be responsible for her to survive was scary on its own. Had I had the additional information or warning or situation, it's a very different situation than mine, but for Joseph, knowing you are going to be a father, but the child you're raising is the savior of the world. No pressure except for the no pressure part. He's going to be the savior of the world. This is God's own begotten son. Raise him. Wow. That is an incredible situation to find yourself in. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him 
and took Mary home as his wife. But he, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Again, I don't want, I don't want to overly elevate Joseph, but I think he deserves a lot of respect in the eyes of the Christian reader for taking on now granted he was told by God, so you better. I don't want to take away from that. God said it, you better do it. However, he doesn't seem to complain. And the fact that he was selected as being able to do this is incredible. That's You know, when we read the account of Job, we see that compliment that God gives Job, and we're like, we don't want that. But Job was so righteous that God told Satan, yeah, you can mess with him. He won't turn his back on me. This is that same level of compliment, but much more positive. Whereas this man, this man can raise my only begotten son, and this woman can be the mother of my only begotten son. Is it because they were perfect? No. Is it because they were actually good? No. It's because they were obedient. Do I have the Joseph obedience? I'll never know. But it's hard to be obedient in small things. It's hard to be obedient when you see the numbers on a, on a street sign. I'm often reminded by a voice in the passenger seat, typically my daughter, that I may or may not be crossing that speed limit line. And she knows, because I'm. it's normally on accident, but she knows if I hear her say it, I have to slow down. Because I will feel convicted. Why don't I feel convicted before someone brings it up? Well, I may not notice. And I'm not the only one who occasionally drives too fast before you're like, you shouldn't do that. I know I shouldn't do that. That's why I'm bringing it up. We are to obey the laws of the land and speeding is no exception. We're supposed to obey the laws of the land. Drive the speed limit. Don't throw soda cans out your window and do not feed the bears. Those are small things. And often we struggle with the small things. When we look at these accounts of things like Gideon or Joshua, or in this case, Joseph, those are big things. We tend to celebrate the big things. How do you think these leaders got to where God chose them? to carry the big things. I assume it's because they were faithful in the small things. Or God being God, maybe he just knew they could handle the big things. But I tend to believe those that are faithful with little will be faithful with much. And I believe anybody over a certain age would agree with that sentiment. And that isn't because I got smarter, it's because I 
been alive longer and I've learned a few things. When we're faithful with little, we'll be faithful with much. Actually, being faithful up until the birth of Jesus is a huge thing. Taking Jesus to Bethlehem to be born to his father's house is a big deal. Being on the census, this is my child, that was a big deal. Running to Egypt is a huge deal. Coming back, teaching a boy your trade until he's an adult is a big deal. Being faithful in little leads you to be faithful in much. Being faithful in, all right, I'll marry you. And then raising the Savior of the world is a huge, huge deal. But again, it's very hard for me not to make it sound like I want to put up a statue of Joseph. I don't. I don't want to. I do want us, when we read Scripture, though, to see these people. We can call them characters because characters, believe it or not, doesn't mean fiction. So please don't hear that when I say the word character. When we read these characters, these real people in Scripture doing incredible things, there are parts of it we can emulate. We can emulate their obedience. We can emulate sacrifice. This is a little off topic, but I just learned this a couple weeks ago. But do you know where Bethlehem is right now? Bethlehem still exists. Do you know where it is? Well, if the news story I watched is correct, it's in Gaza. One of the Bethlehems. Anyway, there's more than one Bethlehem, but Bethlehem's in Gaza. Just putting that out there. For those of you that are history people, the birth of our Savior, not that I'm putting supernatural weight on Bethlehem. But we tend to look at Israel as God's people. Right? But the Christian church in Palestine, which there is one and it's incredibly tiny, is almost all in Bethlehem, which is all in Gaza. Right? Oddly enough, there's about the same percentage of Christians in Palestine as there are, is in Israel. About 2%. Which ironically is about the same percentage of Jewish people in the United States of America. But about 2%. Everything is a little bit more complicated than it appears when you look at one side of it. Everything is incredibly complicated. But what I know is Jesus is on the throne, and I want to be praying for the will of God in the Middle East, whatever that is. And I don't want to champion the destruction of anyone. And I know that was an aside, and please forgive me for that, but it's been really heavy on my heart for a while now 
And it continues to be heavy on my heart, mostly because of my own attitudes. It's very hard to forget reflex things. And retribution, retaliation, domination, these are part of our fallen world. These are part of our human nature. There was a reason why when you watch a movie, you root for Rocky, you know, you want to see him, you want to see the good guy win. To the point where sometimes we fabricate a good guy or we elevate a bad guy. There's right and wrong and there's evil that has taken place. I do not want to discount that. But this Jesus who was born of a virgin and raised by a man who was a pretty nice guy. I think that's what I titled the sermon. Joseph, pretty nice guy. This Jesus who lived a sinless life and blood and suffered and died and rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and then 50 days later sent the Holy Spirit to dwell among us. That Jesus died for each and every one of these people. And we need to not stop seeing them as people, regardless of who they are, what they've done, who their cousin was, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There are always consequences for actions. I'm not, please don't take this in a weird way. Well, the pastor said, no. Pastor says a lot of things, okay? We should never lose sight that each and every one of these broken people is beloved of the Father. Each and every one of them. And again, that was not supposed to be the point of what I was saying. My point was there's things about Joseph that we can emulate. There are wonderful or attributes of Joseph that I can take a lot of courage from. When God asks me to do something small, when I get that stirring in my chest, which is how it happens to me, that I'm supposed to do something, well, I should be obedient to that. It might take me a couple of minutes but in reality, it's not as though God is asking me to raise a child like my own. Maybe it is, though, for some of you. There is a wonderful story of obedience on both Joseph's part and on Mary's part. And I think if we are called to any one word through the entire narrative of scripture, it's obedience. It's the most difficult concept in the world. It's obedience. Another very important thing from scripture is the holiness of God, and we should never overlook the holiness of God. It should be easy. It isn't, but it should be easy to be obedient to a holy God, to be obedient to a holy God. If he is in all things holy, it should be easy to do what he says. It isn't, but it should be. 
But I think it would be a healthy exercise as we go through this Advent season. And some of you have Advent calendars where you got to pull the things off and see what chocolate's underneath it. Or one of the girls in my class has a Polly Pocket one. I'm not sure if you guys remember Polly Pocket. I had a sister. Don't judge me. My daughter had a Polly Pocket too. But um, you pull the tab off. She gets a little hat or a shoe or something that goes with her little doll. That's the commercialism, of course. But while we're doing all of this festive whatever, we know. As we're doing all this festive stuff, maybe in the, med in the uh, middle of all of it, if we just took a second while we're doing the things that you end up doing during the holiday season, as you think about the birth of Christ, please think about the birth of Christ as you're actually doing this stuff. But I'd also like you to think about the situation that these young people find themselves in. And I want you to draw from the obedience of Jesus's earthly parents and be like, in what way can I be obedient to Christ today? In what be, a way can I be obedient to the Father? That's a, a way harder question than you think it is. Try it out. Every day, try to find a little way that you can be obedient to Christ. It's easy and it's difficult. Because I'm sure if I say, how could you be obedient to Jesus today? Something comes to mind and then you don't want to do it, so you're trying to think of something else. That's a little easier. Am I the only one? How can you be obedient to Christ today? Well, I could, or <laughs> I could do that thing I kind of wanted to do that would be somewhat godly. But I would like you to try to make that into a, uh, make that into a habit during the holiday season. How can I be obedient to Christ today? Anyhow, I apologize that I went a bit askew. I had something else kind of boring a hole in my mind with the uh, current events. I actually have stopped watching the news because I don't trust it enough. If I don't have the chance to look at both sides of a story, I really don't feel like I know about it. Um, but some exceptions happen to be uh, with war, some political nonsense. Be nice if it was all separate. But it's not. It'd be nice if you could know who holds the truth to a story. But you don't. I know who holds the truth, ultimately. And that's where I want to press in. And I apologize. I feel like I've already gotten more political than I ever intended to from up here. Just by saying, I don't want us to pick sides. I want us to follow Jesus. I don't think the speakers agree with me. But I don't want you to pick sides. Unless that side is Jesus. Unless that side is following God. And I... I don't know. It can all become overwhelming if you allow it to. But if you read the book of Revelation, and I highly recommend it, you will see that Christ is on the throne. You see that God has always been on the throne. 
If you look at the Old Testament, you've seen that things have been worse. There's nothing new under the sun. And our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can take peace in that. You can find peace in that. Anyhow, if you can do so without pain, please stand with me.